It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. We are glad to be with you this week. We have a great show, Sky. We have a special guest. Yes, State Representative John Torbett was with us in the office to record, and he will be at the end of the podcast. Yeah, so he came to the office along with his wonderful wife on Wednesday. We are recording on Thursday, and as we look out the window from our office, it's getting a little dark, and we're starting to hear, uh, well, we've been hearing all week that tornadoes are coming. Yes, we have been hearing about it, and man, do people in North Carolina love talking about the weather. I One of the things that I noticed when I first moved down here that I thought was so interesting is when it's raining here, people put their hazard lights on. Like, rain is a hazard. <laughs> yeah, we're very cautious, folks. And, and let me remind you that we have some of the lowest car insurance rates in the country. Wow, what a fun fact. Thank you for that. That is a fun fact. So speaking of fun facts, uh, you know, it was a shortened week at the General Assembly. Speaker Moore was out of town on Tuesday, so we didn't have floor votes on that chamber on Tuesday. Right. They just voted on Wednesday, so only one voting day in the House this week. But the Senate has had a couple days of voting. You know, and still a lot of news going on, a lot of news circulating. There was an article, I believe it was in Politico, talking about maybe there would be some Medicaid expansion deal because of the federal COVID relief package. I think there are 18 states out there that have not expanded Medicaid, but they're going to get a financial incentive to do so. Other news in uh, between Senator Berger and Cooper, are they going to be doing a PSA? Yeah, I think that they are. The news said that Senator Berger actually approached Governor Cooper about doing a PSA on getting a vaccine. Um, And so that would be really newsworthy. And I think another collaboration between the two leaders. Yeah, so last week they fist bumped. This week they may be sitting down and recording a PSA about getting your vaccinations. Also in the article, just as an aside, and this is a kind of a, a, an ongoing theme, uh, since the swearing-in of President Biden and Vice President uh, Kamala Harris is that Roy Cooper is being mentioned as a possible running mate in 2024. Interesting, kind of an interesting news story. Yeah, I just don't see him on the national stage, but again, it just keeps popping up. I think that he kind of is... Um, reminding me of Tim Kaine and just like kind of a basic white dude. <laughs> Put him on your ballot. There you go. Well, you know, so the reason, you know, it was there was some talk that maybe he would run for the U.S. Senate. He said no, because we have a lieutenant governor who is a Republican, uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson. He would assume the, the governorship here in North Carolina. So he, he took himself out of the running for that, or at least kind of nicked some rumors. And, and and there's a lot of a lot of partisanship aimed at Governor Cooper. We saw that this week in the General Assembly. Yeah, both the House and the Senate introduced bills to limit the governor's executive power during emergency orders. The House bill moved on Tuesday. It was heard in a Judiciary Committee. It is fairly similar to bills that we heard during the summer in 2020. When the General Assembly was in session, there was a bunch of debate on the floor about this in both the House and the Senate, but not surprisingly, Governor Cooper vetoed those bills. What the bill would do is limit 
the governor's power beyond a 30-day emergency order. Beyond that 30 days, he would have to get approval from the Council of State before taking any further action. And I've heard from legislators, uh, and you know, this isn't something that we're working on, but you just can't help but see it when you're at the General Assembly, that emergency powers were designed for, you know, these one-day, one-week emergencies when legislators could not make it to Raleigh. There needed to be an executive in charge. But here we are a year later out of the pandemic, and we're still under executive orders. And, and that's their gripe, right? Yeah, I think that Representative Destin Hall said this isn't about taking the governor's power away. We are just looking at what other states are doing and other states don't, they have limits on the governor's power. We think about executive orders with hurricanes or natural disasters and the governor places an order that, you know, may last for a week or so, but the pandemic was really um, new and something that, you know, we didn't expect. And so it's something that they want to look into more. Yeah. So speaking of the governor, a lot of news again about Governor Cooper. Uh, it was announced yesterday on the House floor by House Appropriations Chairman Donnie Lambeth that we are going to see the governor's budget on Wednesday. That's right. Um, so every biennium, the governor submits to the General Assembly his recommended budget, and generally Legislators make a joke of this, say that it's the best doorstopper that they have ever gotten, just insinuating that they don't even read the bill. But this year, they're going to have a full approach meeting and go through his budget recommendations. Yeah, so we'll see. Uh, the governor may make an appearance. Usually it's his budget director, Charlie Perusi, will be coming over and giving a full briefing to the full appropriations. Uh, we're, we're expecting a $25 billion budget. But, you know, not everything is partisan at the General Assembly. Thankfully, uh, that's the case. This past Sunday was daylight savings time. We all sprang forward Sunday morning, and then Monday we saw a bill drop in the House. Yes, Representative Sane dropped his daylight savings time bill, which passed the House last biennium, I believe, but did not move in the Senate. But this year there is a Senate sponsor. Um, Senator Vicki Sawyer also filed the same bill. Mm -hmm. She did. It'll be interesting to see if, if Senator Sawyer, along with her two co-sponsors, Senator Jim Perry and Senator Todd Johnson, whether they can they can make something move over there in the Senate. Will we have daylight savings time year round? I don't know, but I'll tell you this, springing forward is very hard. This bill generated a lot of buzz on Twitter. People saying, finally, a bipartisan effort we can get behind. So it was a moment where people were coming together on Twitter. So we're going to award this week, our Do Politics Better Award is going to go to Representative Jason Sane and Senator Vicki Sawyer for bringing us all together with legislation that we can all back. That's right. Late last night, we got word from Bill Drafting that uh, a bill that we, I think our, our bill sponsor submitted two weeks ago, came out of bill drafting. The big news among lobbyists and interest groups that are working down at the General Assembly is bill drafting is really, really backed up. 
Yeah, I think that that happens, especially when you're getting close to bill drafting deadlines. And in the Senate, we have passed the bill drafting deadline, which just means when a legislator has to reach out to bill drafting and say, I have this idea. It doesn't mean it has to come out of bill drafting at that time. But the House's bill drafting deadline, I believe, is next week. So we are staring down a deadline and people like to do things last minute so in the weeks leading up to that deadline there are just tons of requests going to bill drafting for drafts of bills and so a lot of folks out there who, who may not work in the general assembly or are familiar with kind of the inner workings think that legislators sit in their office on a computer and they write out their bills when in fact what they do is they take kind of their ideas and they may have it in draft form, they may have it in a white paper, they may have sketched out the ideas, they send that document to the bill drafting department, which is a nonpartisan group of about 20 attorneys that work in the General Assembly and they work for both Republicans and Democrats. There's confidentiality rules so they can't share with other legislators what they're working on. But like, we're working on a firefighter bill for uh, firefighters uh, who, are, who are fighting cancer. This would give them a benefit to help them as they're fighting cancer. We sent this bill two weeks ago, and, and it goes to bill drafting, and there is someone in bill drafting that has the expertise around uh, you know, benefits and, and cancer and maybe even workers' compensation, although our bill doesn't deal with workers' compensation. That bill is drafted and it is sent to the legislator for them to approve. Now, there's a little nuance there because our bill sponsor gave us permission to talk to bill drafting. Right, your legislator has to give that consent for lobbyists or other outside people to speak to bill drafting about a bill. Otherwise, it won't be shared with anyone except that legislator. So what we do, we get a draft back from uh, bill drafting. We talk to the legislator. We talk to his staff in this case. And then we do a lot of back and forth with our clients. Can you talk about that a little? Yeah, just we ask our clients to look over it, make sure it's correct. One of the things that bill drafting does, and I think that clients don't often understand, they draft the bills and match it to our statutes. So let's say you have some language you found from another state. Likely it's not going to match North Carolina's statutes perfectly. And as we always say, that's something bill drafting will figure out. We don't need to de be debating with our clients what words to use. They'll figure it out. So you send them what you have and they will kind of format that and make sure that it matches the rest of our statutes. And they really are a talented staff. They work really hard. And, and what's interesting, we're coming up on the deadline. That doesn't mean their work is over. As soon as that bill filing deadline comes and goes, they switch hats and they start writing the budget. So, uh, you know, that is why the deadline is set usually early spring, late winter. And then it is that marathon from uh, that date to around Memorial Day through July 1. So this is a very talented, hardworking team. We appreciate everything they do. Uh, I'm always amazed uh, being able to work with them, and I really do appreciate them.
Yeah. And you talking about the budget also reminds me that yesterday the IRS said they were going to delay tax returns to May 17th. So that could delay the state budget as well. Yeah. I mean, so they, they really do check that PO box uh, up until, you know, the week after the bill file, I'm, I'm sorry, the IRS deadline, because that's when we know what kind of revenue we'll have, especially those fourth quarter payments are so important to the state. So speaking of bill drafting, Sky, one legislator keeps bill drafting pretty busy. Yeah, like we said at the beginning of the episode, Representative Torbett joined us in the office for a podcast interview. We talked about how he does politics better, his district, and his office. Let's hear that interview now. Chairman John Torbett, it is great to have you here at at the New Frame offices to talk about Do Politics Better. Thanks for joining us today. It's a pleasure to be here. And like I say, it's really great to be out of session and with some real loving individuals. <laughs> so you are in your sixth term. Uh, you're, you're going into your 11th year. You were first elected in 2010. That's correct. And so can you tell us a little bit about your district in Gaston County? I certainly can. It, it's Number one, it, it's one of the most friendliest counties I've seen in the state, and I've, I've traveled pretty much across the state. And it, it just, it, it's a great place to be. Uh, I live in a little town called Stanley. I jokingly say Stanley with an E, so nobody can confuses it with the county of Stanley. But it's a friendly place, and the inhabitants are about maybe 3,700 to 4,000 now, so it's small. Everybody kind of knows everybody. Uh, my wife and I have been involved with athletics with every with every school. My daughter attended ex, uh, throughout the process as PTO president, except for high school. And I called the football games in high school, so I really got to know everyone there. And it, it's just a, it's a wonderful spot to live. So. But you went to uh, Middle Tennessee State University. Yeah. So how did you end up in North Carolina? Well, first off, go Blue Raiders. But uh, they do play UNCC, so I get to go see them play every now and then. Fun. But, uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Uh, got accepted to the University of Tennessee. I was following in my brother's footsteps, but I decided not no longer following his footsteps and went to Mill Tennessee State University. Thank God I did. I met my lovely, lovely wife of 40 years there. Uh, went to work coming out of school. Uh, worked uh, there in uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is mm-hmm. where Middle Tennessee State is. And then uh, the job transferred us to Fort Smith, Arkansas for a couple of years to get a business kind of on its feet there. Mm-hmm. Stayed there two years, came back to Murfreesboro. Our daughter was born in Fort Smith. Came back to Murfreesboro, and then about, I don't know, about a year later, I think, they said, hey, we've got this job. We want you to go to Charlotte area and help create and build our business there. And we... Uh, Moved over here to Vidya, or moved over here to Charlotte, and Vidya, my wife, was a little concerned about moving again. And I said, well, it's only like three hours from the beach. She said, okay, let's go. <laughs> but uh, I came over here uh, with the job assignment, was really active in my daughter's schools, like I mentioned earlier, and that led to uh, becoming a county commissioner to be more effective in education. And then from, from eight years serving as county commissioner, uh, we were actually looking at houses in St. Petersburg, Florida, and I get a phone call from this guy named Tom Tillis about you know running for, for office. So you know here we are. So it's been a it's been a whirlwind. It seems like only yesterday coming up here, and it's been I guess close to eleven years now. Yeah, Tom? we don't have a lot of PR and advertising majors, I think, in the General Assembly. So that's unique. Do you know other folks that um, majored in sort of similar? I, I don't. I don't. One of the fortunate, one of the unfortunate things about being up here, I. 
I stay pretty busy and I don't have the time that I really like to have to get down and meet and know my colleagues in and out. Mm -hmm. uh, the extent of knowing my colleagues is pretty much working on this budget or working on this bill or working on this issue for the folks back home. Uh, over 11 years, I know five or six of them pretty good. Uh, other than that, it's just not a whole lot of free time. and, and I'm, I'm not young enough to stay up late at night anymore, <laughs> so we go home we go home and hit the sack. You know, your, your PR uh, background, and so I was kind of doing some background as, as preparing for this interview. I can see it in your social media. You are, you're on social media a lot. You're, you're talking about what's happening at the General Assembly. You are communicating constantly with your constituents, and they're giving you feedback. Is, is, does it go back? I know the Internet was not around back when you were in college, but you seem wow, to have... Wow, taking a shot careful, at your age. I know, I know, I know, I know, that's right. Well, the Internet, so I got email when I was in college. I started college with a typewriter. But is that, you know, you have this PR background. I, I can kind of see it in your social media. Yeah, well, back in the good old days, you know, communicating via Morse code uh, and working math. <laughs> <laughs> on an abacus uh, no not quite that old but you know it's uh, the good lord only gives us so many years you know you can be ill or you can be mean you can be hateful or but what why you know mm -hmm. just just do what you know you think is the best thing to do fortunately i had two great loving parents that were pre-depression age parents mm -hmm. if they were alive today they'd be in their hundreds plus mm -hmm. a couple of years so uh that they raised me with that understanding and uh, a conservation understanding could conserve things you know god only has us has given us limited stuff make sure you do do really use it to the best of your ability and and i just choose to do it with a smile and, and be happy now in old age my smile has kind of like sagged a little bit but inside the smile still there full time so yeah you you seem to have a lot of fun we we sit outside the speaker's office uh, there's a little table out there, and I love it when you stop by and talk to us and you bring out your phone and show us something interesting on social media. Or, or uh, it's, just, it's just really a good time visiting with you. Um, a lot of lobbyists listen to this podcast. A lot of advocacy groups listen to the podcast. And then folks who are just interested in politics in general. Tell us how you and your office, and again, your, your lovely wife is your legislative assistant. That is your staff. I think you have a research assistant as right. well. Can you talk about the role lobbyists play in your legislative office um, as a legislator and, and just doing the work that you want to do for Gaston County in the state of North Carolina? Certainly, and if I get off track, just remind me. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I have, a, I guess, a, a, an ability to kind of see a little bit deeper than most because I actually used to work for a uh, we'll say a Department of Defense contractor working with unmanned systems and part of my job was to go lobby the hill okay and so I stumped the hill for over a decade and made some great and wonderful friends from all over all over uh, the country to focus on and that was at the advent of unmanned systems they're known as drones too but I mean that's when they were just getting started they didn't have the helicopters just the fixed wing aircraft and so be able to go and just focus on telling the truth telling the facts and keeping those limited to the smallest amount of time that you feel you can get your story across because time is a valued entity in, in government it really really is no more so than any other business but you really have to be cognizant of, of the people's time that you're using. And so uh, I kind of use that with, with the folks I've met up here, and I try to at least hear everyone once and uh, 
based on what the information is given to me and the reliability of that information, uh, that pretty much tells me whether we're going to have a career together or not, work, working friend, friendly. Uh, but uh, I haven't, I don't think I've turned away many at all. Uh, everyone's pretty much welcome to come show, come show. And also one thing, and I'll say that to all the folks out there that's in the lobbying profession. A lot of people look at lobbyists or, or look at the office, it's like it's some kind of something that's, that's oh, I hate to say bad, but you, and it's not. Lobbyists are the walking encyclopedias about an issue that I probably don't know what I need to know about. Interesting. And so I summon the, the lobbyists and try to get them from both sides. We'll hear both pro and con. Uh, the worst thing that can happen to me from a lobbyist is that convince me to do something and get me to feel that it's the right thing to do and then don't tell me about a potential conflict or unintended consequence and that only to come haunt me at later days and weeks. So uh, everyone's welcome. I appreciate the work they do. I know they're well studied. You guys are some of the best are, are studied in, in the topics that you represent and I need to know that because as I tell most lobbyists that come in, there's two ways to do this. You can educate me so I fully understand and then make a decision, or I can just make the decision on my own. Which one would you prefer? And usually it's, let us help you make that decision. That's interesting. You said when we, I remember our meeting with Betabox and you said, next meeting we have, I would like for you to bring me all the negatives, your competitors, all the traps. And I thought that was a really interesting question. Do you have any, like, negative um, experiences without mentioning anyone where you were given bad information and it blew up on you? Uh, maybe not blow up, but when you have to really back up and, and have to re, re, I guess, constitute your line of thinking to, to be able to explain why you voted for something that didn't end up being as, like you were told, and then you just stop and say, well, just tell the truth. And the truth is, I wasn't given enough information or the information I was given was wrong. Mm -hmm. Whether that individual did it purposely or, or, or didn't mean to, I don't know. I will find out. But uh, that's happened just a couple of times. And typically it comes around not necessarily from, well, it, from, it may come from lobbyists or it may come from a colleague that doesn't totally tell you about what their bill will end up doing. So, mm. so if you're out there and you're lobbying Representative Torbett or any or any legislator just be up front with the negative so you can deal with it right away and and you figure out how to talk about it when you're in the back room and you're negotiating a bill sounds like advice you would give and I can handle the truth you can <laughs> handle the truth there you go so we 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 had a do politics better dinner uh, here and and Sky you talk about the do politics better dinners because you really were kind of the genesis of this yeah, when I was in college, every Sunday night, I made a big meal for 12 of my friends, and we just called it our Sunday dinner. Um, I had a bowl where you put your phone in. There were no phones allowed at my table, and we just, every Sunday night, we would have an appetizer, dinner, and dessert, and so it was a two, three-hour experience, and it was just something I really valued, and so I talked about that some, and Brian had the idea to turn it into a Do Politics Better dinner, where we had folks from the Republican side, from the Democratic side, um, and then other people as well sit together and just have a conversation. So that's really where the idea came from. Yeah, and so Representative Torbett, we matched him up with Representative Allison Dahl. And we should point out that we tell the legislators that we're not going to say you came to the dinner, we're not going to take photographs, we're not going to put it on the internet, but Representative Dahl and Representative Torbett said we, we could talk about their dinner. 
And what was interesting about this, I don't know if you had met Representative Dahl up until that point, but we had a great dinner that Sky prepared. And by the way, it was compliant with the law. We have a tip jar where we ask the legislators to pay for their dinner because we're not allowed to give gifts. They do pay for the dinner. And, and Representative Dahl talks about it. I talked to her the other day and how much she enjoyed the dinner. And I bring this up, Representative, because we are in a time in our politics where we seem so divided. And while I know that you are a conservative, you are, you are very outspoken about conservative views, you post about it, your voting record is very conservative, you seem to approach politics in a different way than what we see in society. And can you talk about this happy warrior that you are for conservatism that doesn't seem to be personal? Uh, there's a lot of things we do well. There are things that we do, that we being uh, society, that we don't do so well and we can make changes, corrective action towards. And I tend to say that if we're not doing something right we need of course to fix it and move on instead of let that issue consistently haunt us as as years go by and the only way to do that i guess is just to hear both sides of topics and issues and try to go in with a uh, i guess an open mind or, or an open ear and, and and try to understand why that individual believes the way that individual believes I, i'm solid in my viewpoint and perspective so you're not going to get me to change on those uh, ideals that were instilled in me by my parents and in my faith but uh there's a lot of things going out there in education for one i'm thrilled to be in education this year is that uh you know we've been doing education pretty much the same way for over 80 years now my, my guess is it's changed just a little bit and so my focus now is to really push for technological advancement in the learning processes of our children and there's a tremendous amount of things out there that will do that you touched on one earlier uh we need to focus on that and i don't have all the answers but someone like representative Dahl may have some some ideas that she's had that are wonderful ideas and and uh love her for that uh, i always kid her I always tell her she's got something in her hair because she <laughs> she has pink in her hair but uh, that's just an ongoing joke she's probably tired of hearing that from me but i will never stop if you're out there i will never stop <laughs> you so I, I see you in committees and and again you you, you vote conservatively um, but I see you off the floor. I see you talking to Democrats. You always seem to be having a good time. Or you, you must be having fun at the General Assembly. Uh, I am. I, I'm 64 years old. All right. Uh, I'm not 30 like some of my colleagues are. And so I relish the time that I have. And, and I do enjoy people. I mean, people are uh, inherently, you know, we all have a different fingerprint for a reason. That's where we're all in, in unique in, in individuals. And it's just really neat to understand and hear people's perspectives. Uh, often uh, share a, a, a maybe a, a, a laugh, laughable story or something from days gone by and all. And it, it's, it actually makes a day go better uh, if we focused on absolutely nothing but what we're doing up here. It, it would make for a very, very, very long day without humor sometimes. I'll ask we, a question. When we can be serious, yeah. we're always serious in the work that we do, yeah. but there has to be, I prefer, I prefer to approach it from a lighter atmosphere. Do you predetermine what song you're going to play when you walk into the rules committee? No, my wife gets mad at me about that. <laughs> but uh, uh, I grew up with music in my life, and my first probably six years up here, I, it, I just lost it. 
I just absolutely lost it. And music calms me, and it, it gives me that, that ability to think, I guess, more clear. And every now and then, I just feel like hearing a great tune, and people, you know, kind of laugh at my, I guess you'd say I'm eclectic. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, we were blending Pavarotti with uh, Dwight Yoakam, for example, and uh, it just, that just, when you're walking from the buildings, from one building to the next building, and you just want to clear your mind, what, be, what better way to do it than a good, good hit, hit yeah. tune, so... If you had a walk-up song, what would it be? Always Layla by Eric Clapton. Okay. Always Layla. Love it. Love <laughs> it. So for those of you listening, uh, Sky and I were in the rules committee on Tuesday, and Representative Torbett is playing his music, waiting for the rules committee to, to come to order. And I go up to him, and I ask him, and he says, I'm, I'm just having some me time. And he was just playing music for everyone to hear, and it was really great. Last question, Representative Torbett, if you could fix one thing in politics right now, one thing, wave a magic wand, what would it be? Too much money in politics, period. Just absolutely too much money. There's too much pay to play go on in, in all levels of politics. Uh, it, it just, I don't think the founders meant it to be that way. You know, I wasn't living, of course, back then. I think George Cleveland was the only current, <laughs> I'm kidding, George. But uh <laughs> Uh, I just don't, I don't think it was intended to be that way. Uh, I, I, I've read a lot about our, our history and all, but we need to get back to focusing on the issues and working collectively and collaboratively. We, we won't agree. It wasn't, wasn't made to agree. It wasn't made to be easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank goodness it wasn't made to be easier. We'd be, one year would be this way and one year would be that way and one year rule and next year no. And so uh, that's what I would change. I would look at the, the, the funding structure of politics today that's a good answer yeah well representative john torbett a in his sixth term at the general assembly representing gaston county so well you certainly do politics better thank you for joining us on the podcast we really appreciate it we are honored sir thank you for having me and sky thank you for having me as well and uh since she didn't fix any dinner, I guess we have to go find something to eat on our own. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I always I look forward to seeing you and continue the good work that you both do as well. Thank, Thank you, you Representative. So much. Thank you very much. All right, Scott. You know, that was really great to have Representative Torbett and his wife, Vidya, in the office on Wednesday. What? A, just, just a great guy. In our first interview, our first guest on the Do Politics Better podcast. Yeah, it was really fun, and we're looking forward to having more guests as we move along. So this week it starts the NCAA tournament. I know you're excited. And I am. I'm excited. Our alma maters are in the tournament, and I have filled out my bracket. I have one of my brackets has our alma maters meeting in the championship game. That is quite hopeful of you. It is. So, you know, I am a proud alumnus of the University of North Carolina at Greensboro. Go Spartans. Southern Conference champions, regular season and tournament champions. Do you have them in your bracket meeting Illinois (laughs) Illini in the final game? I don't, but I went to the University of Illinois, um, so ILL. This is our best year since 2005 when Illinois lost in the final game to UNC. Well, I'll just say this. UNCG is always good. Wow. We just don't always make the tournament. Yeah, Brian has been bragging about UNCG being like a, what are you, a 13 seed? 
<laughs> We're a 13 seed, lucky 13 seed. We open up, let me see, uh, we open up against Florida State, I think Saturday night. It's very exciting for you. He flooded my phone with messages on Sunday, and I was like, yeah, did you hear that we just won the Big Ten tournament? And he was not enthused. All right, that's, a, that's enough basketball talk. Baseball season is just around the corner. Uh, spring, spring games have already started. Uh, we want to thank Representative John Torbett for being our guest this week. And we also want to give another shout out to Gabriella Nyman, who created our graphic that you find on the podcast. Gabriella, thank you so much. Remember, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Tune in every Friday, and we hope you have a great week. And remember to do politics better. <laughs> Why did you say that? You say things in such weird ways. <laughs> did that one feel rough to you? Yeah. All right, it's the... I'm sorry, let's do that again. I'm tired of saying all right. Yeah, don't do that. It's like the people on Instagram that say, hey, guys.